And after university, I immediately actually started my first company, which was an e-commerce agency. 12 employees we had at the peak. You have to pick the right market and the right client for that. They buy cars from, uh, on WhatsApp. We had also some project, for example, with H&M. We had a very sophisticated uh, email outreach sales funnel. It's a, it's an API that goes from OpenAI um, to the server on the, on the back end, and it's connected to WhatsApp. You don't have to have any front end. Now we actually got some some acquisition offers on the on the business. Learn how to sell and learn how to build. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the CEO Journey Podcast, where we talk about all things business and entrepreneurship. Today, I'm joined by a serial entrepreneur, Timo, and he also creates some amazing content on YouTube, etc. So without further ado, Timo, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. How are you doing? How's life treating you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for the introduction. Um, I'm in Bali right now, so life couldn't be better, actually. Um, it's about time to, for sunset in 45 minutes, and... Uh, We'll be going for dinner, sunset, and uh, yeah, today is a Sunday. Typical day. Um, I actually love weekends here. Um, I'm, I'm in a co-work space right now um, because it's like only like half crowded, but you still meet very, very ambitious people um, here in Bali, like super ambitious people, I have to say, especially on the weekends, like when, when these are the people that work here on the weekends, you know that they um, they probably built some pretty, pretty uh, good shit. And um yeah, uh, I, I love it here. Um, I always thought that Bali is like overhyped, overcrowded, and so on, like what you read. And I was hesitant to even go. Mm-hmm. But now I'm really glad that I, that I went. I'm not like six weeks here and uh, yeah, meeting amazing people and perfect like work life, uh, I have to say. Yeah. And have you been sort of like a, a traveler over the years since you've been, you know, building businesses? Have you been you know, um, sticking up in different countries and just trying out different cultures and seeing what works. Um, sorry. Yeah. Have you, have you been, have you been, whilst you've been on this journey, building businesses, have you been, you know, going to different countries, exploring different cultures and, uh, you know, almost becoming like, you know, what they, what they call them a digital nomad people who, you know, build businesses remotely, essentially. So have you had the experience of going from place to place? Yeah, absolutely. That's basically been my lifestyle for the last three years, two, three years. Um, I don't like being like this digital nomad where you go every two, three weeks to another country mm-hmm. and you never have place because like I, I want to have friends at like two or three places in the world and I always hop around these places basically like summers in Europe, winters in Asia and then somewhere in between some some things yeah like i have a base in austria as well in vienna um really there as well um but now the winter is just perfect to be in asia yep so yeah so i guess like now you're sort of like traveling around um you know building really nice businesses um but take us back then take us back to you know your early context um what what was it like growing up for you where did you grow up were you always entrepreneurial? Is it something that you developed later on in life? Just take us back to, you know. Mm, sure, uh, absolutely. I grew up in a small town in Germany. Um, that's okay. always people ask where I'm from in Germany. Like nobody will know. It's called Konstanz. It's like at the tip, uh, at the border to Switzerland. The next big uh, city is Zurich. Um, if anyone knows this. It's a beautiful town. Very quiet. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's where I grew up. My family is not entrepreneurial at all, except my um, my dad. Uh, like I grew up with my stepdad, not not with my dad at all. But my dad has his own business, but only like a like a one man business, and it's like a brick and mortar business. Um, yeah. But there was always we did always vacations in Berlin because my family originally came from Berlin, and um, there was my my uncle. And he was always the one I looked up to in my family because he had like, he had a big house. He had a big car, like he had a lot of money. And I was always, as a kid, I was fascinated uh, by, by doing vacations at his place. Um, and later I, when I was then curious about what people do, I found out that he was a business owner. Like he was one of the only business owners in the family. Um, what like ever. What, what business was, did he own? Um, man, he had a perfect business at a perfect time. Um, I, I always think timing is 
like super, super important also with my current business. Um, after World War II, he built, like he basically helped rebuild Berlin. Um, he had, I think, multiple construction businesses. Um, also, um, where you, man, sorry for, for sometimes not knowing the English words, like when you have a, a bathroom and you do like the water pipes stuff and whatever, yeah. um, like German perfect in this engineering stuff, right? Yeah. Um, that's what he did. Um, I don't know exactly, exactly the company. The company probably also doesn't have a LinkedIn because it was like 80 years ago or something. Um, but yeah, that, that's what he did. Like an engineer. Yeah. To put in German engineer. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. So, so, you, so I guess you were always inspired by that. Um, and then sort of seeing what he, he was doing, like what was his life like at the time? Was he sort of busy with work or was he enjoying life? What period was he at when you were sort of inspired by what he was doing? Oh, I mean, he was already retired. He was already like okay. 78. So, oh, right. but my dad um, has had a similar lifestyle, like on a smaller scale, I would say, but, but he's also like super happy person. Mm -hmm. um, he, you know, sometimes on a random Wednesday, he calls me up. Uh, was, of course, also when I was free, like, hey, you want to go skiing, you know? And... Everyone else is working. That means the ski area is completely empty. The, the perfect conditions, you know, like yeah. the day before it snowed and then it's a sunny day. Uh, yeah, um, and yeah. you go it's on, a, on a Wednesday. And I was always, I was like, how can you do this? Like, and he, mm -hmm. because he, he is his own boss, he has his own business, even though it's like a smaller type of business, but he, he was always happy. He never complained about work as no. a lot of um, other people people um yeah that i know did always oh my god i have it's monday again so he was always like oh, it's saturday evening of course i'm gonna work a little bit and then i go party out there um and i was always fascinated by by this uh um yeah lifestyle basically yeah no no amazing amazing um like just on that point there which is quite interesting what you're saying about you know being fearful of work i think too many people you know get to like sunday and they're like oh my god a week ahead of draining shit to do um but if you have your own thing and and you're fulfilled by it you know every day is the same and i don't know if you can agree with that man um i wouldn't sit here with you if i consider this like being work <laughs> or something it's sunday 5 30 p.m right most people say yeah. oh my god i'm gonna do anything or something right for me it's like yeah it doesn't matter um at all like you don't there's no weekdays anymore, basically. Um, yeah. And yeah, you can do basically whenever, whatever you want. And it's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. You can have the benefits of, yeah, traveling on a Wednesday when it's like maybe less crowded or um, working on a Saturday evening. Just have the flow and feel like um, you just got inspiration for a new idea. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, no, definitely completely agree with that. And uh, what were you like at school as well, Timo? Were you sort of like a um, a driven person academically or did you have your mind set on other things? I remember that my main teacher, Germany always have a main teacher. Um, yeah, he yeah. always, he, he kept me like, you will always stay like a, like this medium person in school. Um like in Germany, we have grades from one to six. I was always between two and three. Like I wasn't that I wasn't ever failing or something. But I I was I was also, I hated learning. I man, I woke up ten minutes before before the class started and like rushed to to school. Always I lived very close by. Still, you always come too late. Like always, the person that lives next to school that they, they always late. Uh, they they come always uh, very late. <laughs> uh, and. Yeah, I, I did not really enjoy it, honestly. Um, I don't think that I learned a lot. Probably, yeah, you learn some social skills, of course, um, in there. But this teacher was right. I was always this kid between this grades. Um, and, but yeah, it didn't really uh, bother me. I mean, I had my subjects that uh, were super good in like sports, like always best grade. Or I really liked geography some, some, uh, somehow. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I guess school school wasn't wasn't for you at that point. And uh, like, was university off the cards, or you know, because I don't know how it is in Germany, um, but mm. in the, in the UK, for example, you know, parents have this like set vision of their child going to 
an amazing university and once they go to that university they're all set for life in their eyes but really i think it's a complete opposite you know everyone goes to university i mean i personally think the learning's a bit shit and so i don't know if it's the same in germany you know do parents have that same one track mind of you know your kid needs to go to university then go out and get a job and life flows from there and how did you feel about that if that was the case absolutely the same I would say, especially yeah. if both your parents or the, the people that you grow up with, even if it's like a stepdad, if they are, if they went this route, mm -hmm. they don't know another route, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and Germans, I think, are maybe even more like on the safety side um, than, than uh, English-speaking countries. I, I feel like sometimes that there's more entrepreneurial spirit going on in UK, US, just from, mm -hmm. from what I, my, my feeling. Um, so yeah, definitely. That's, I think over half of the people that graduate from, from high school, even more, I would say probably now it's uh, 60, 70%, um, will go to university, um, to college. And I did the same, um, because after, after high school, I was not yet there with my mindset that I immediately knew, okay, I need to start this, this business or whatever. So um, I first went to university and what do you study when you don't really know what you want to study? You study business, right? <laughs> um, there is, yeah. I, yeah. I, at least I wanted to go to a different country. So I moved to Austria. Um, so German speaking country, but it's, it's like a little bit different. Uh, Vienna is like a super beautiful city and they had one of the best business universities uh, like public um, in the German-speaking area. And yeah. so I, I myself, yeah, if I'm going to start, study something, then at least at a good university. And um, yeah, I actually also did my degree. I, I got my bachelor's there. Oh, um, okay. It, it, did you do well? Of course, there was. Um, I did definitely better than in, in school, yeah. I, I was not this medium type of guy anymore. Mm. I was a... Um, one grade better. I wasn't the, the best of the class or so because I quickly realized that I should only focus on the things that I really want to learn um, yeah. in in university. Um, and it, at these public universities, it's a little bit that um, you, there's a, there's a curriculum and you have to go like two years with everyone else to the same thing. And this, that I had terrible grades there, like absolute yeah. terrible grade because I, I hated it. It was like school. But then the, Last two years, they were really um, good, I have to say. Um, I did an exchange in the US. It was amazing. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I, then I chose my courses, like what I wanted to and uh, met some good people. I would say, in hindsight, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it anymore um, okay. because it, I met some cool people, but that's it. Like none of the skills that I learned there at Public University helped yeah. me in any way. Or, or second business, not real. No, yeah, no, that's no. that's very, very true. And uh, like, if you put it in that perspective, it's uh, an expensive social life. Um, that's the term that we use in the UK. We say, you know, you go in for the social life, you go in for all the parties, you go in to meet people. But then what you don't yeah. realize is that you're paying, you know, twenty grand a year, if not more, in other countries for this education. Uh, not in not in Germany, Austria, it's free. Um, so really? yeah, that's okay. completely free. That's why it's also so popular. I would say it's, it's such an easy choice to say yes to college. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's also a super, like I knew people that studied for eight plus years, um, business bachelor. So you can stay in there forever. Basically you can just like chill your life away in university because there's no pe penalties. There's no fees. Yeah. And there's no pressure that you finish. Like if you write if in the UK, if you say you pay 20, 20 grand per or whatever year or something, yeah. then you have a huge pressure to finish this ASAP, right? And there is just some people, yeah, I had a guy that like in the 16th semester in his bachelor, he was, I was like, that's bro, what am I doing with you? If you're going on for that long, how do you support yourself? Do you get like loans from the government or would you have to rely on your parents to give you money every month to survive? I, I wouldn't know I would, how it worked. I guess this guy didn't really put much hours in, in, into his uh, study. Um, 
So I, I guess he had like a side job, maybe some internships here and there. Um, and also I have to say, um, Vienna is a very, um, intensive city. Uh, I did some, uh, some videos on, on Vienna on my YouTube channel. Um, yeah. you can, as a student, you can have a good life with below a thousand dollars a month, literally. And some people, they, they get caught in this comfort zone and they say, okay, I'm just going to make a thousand dollars a month for the rest of my life and I can live here. Um, yeah, yeah. which is, which is a, which is a really dangerous place to be in because it's like good enough, but you, you still have, I mean, I had, or I, I guess most people have this urge that they, that they would like to have a better life, but they are in this, like, it's, it's good enough zone. Um, and they don't have to do too much. Um, but for me, it was, yeah, I was never thinking like, oh, I'm going to live here forever on this one, one K a month life. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I can like, it's, well, it's just no ambition at the end of the day, is it? Like what, where's your purpose then? Like you're just getting by, aren't you? Life. So yeah, to me and, uh, yeah, obviously you as well, like, no, it's not a position that we want to be into. Um, but yeah, so then, so then after university team, like what, what, what did you go on to do? Is that when you sort of found your element with business or did you get a job? What was the crap? No, um, I had one job, like one real job once it was uh, in sales, um, as an appointment setter during university. They have to say one of the best jobs you can ever do is getting a sales job. Um, mm. like even it was just, I think like six months, the experience you do there, um, like on my first day, they just said, here's 20 numbers. Go call, go call these businesses. I had never done a call in my life. And I'm like, what, what if they yell at me or what the fuck? Um, and that's a really good experience. Um, like I can, anyone recommend if they're in college and want to do a side, a job on the side, do a sales job. Like it's absolutely invaluable skill. Um, and after university, I immediately actually started my first company and it was a great timing. It was COVID. Yeah, it was uh, like April 2020. And um, with one of my best friends and one guy that I just got known, we, we founded our first uh, business in Germany, which was an e-commerce agency. Uh, is it Zenevia or something? Um, yep. Zenevia. Zenevia. Okay. Um, so yeah, talk to me about how um, like how that came about, like what was the idea behind it and sort of, how did you move from, you know, the idea stage to then having clients who you were servicing? Mm, yeah. The idea came from, um, one of the co-founders and he, he was a, a very technical guy. Um, and the idea was to automate the, uh, the writing of product descriptions. Okay. Okay. Uh, you have 10,000 items in your store and you want to get these descriptions fast, but unique because of SEO reasons and so on in e-commerce. Nowadays, or as you say, there's ChatGPT, right? Uh, what are you talking about? Um, back in the days, there was also OpenAI, but there were some other methods, and we used a different method to generate these descriptions for these e-commerce tools. Um, he had worked in the industry before. He had also brought in our first clients already, which were quite big e-commerce stores from from um, from Germany, maybe you know, like S. Oliver. Uh, it's it's like it's like a big brand, and we immediately from the first month we already had our first customers because he served these um, as freelancer before, and he just brought them into the company. But he wanted to have uh, co-founders that helped him scale. Like I, because um, I, um, because I studied business, he thought I'm a good fit. Um, probably you don't need to study business, but um, I, yeah, I'm good at marketing and uh, joined the company. And my other friend, he's good in sales and took over that part lovely yeah lovely okay so it's almost like so it's a copywriting agency and then sort of like to, to, to bring it in and uh did you know like obviously your partner who you started it with um he had like the contacts to be able to get some clients get some early clients did you sort of know that strategically before starting the agency with him or was it you know, just a case of, okay, we started the agency. I've actually got these contacts in this space. I'm going to bring them in and we're going to do some work with them. No, he, 
so I met him the first time yeah. in my life and the yeah. day after we, after the, and we founded the company, uh, um, yeah, it was quite spontaneous, but on that day I met him, he told me all about what he's doing and it sounded all very amazing. And he also told me that he's already working with this. So I knew about the existing clients and that this is a valid business model at that time, oh. I have to say. Things changed. That's why I left the business and afterwards, but we probably come to that later. So yeah, I knew there was existing um, clients and revenue. That's why I decided to join the, the the company. At time, actually, I have also um, after after I started uh, finished university, I I started drop shipping. So like probably every entrepreneur once looks into drop shipping. Yeah. Um, it actually worked quite well. I have to say. Um, I, I made, uh, I made some sales uh, and it, it was even profitable, but then I decided, okay, um, maybe it's not so sustainable. Let's, let's start this company, um, with, with my friends here. So I closed that shop down and uh, started an agency. Yeah. No, no, amazing. So how many clients did you have in total with the agency? Eight clients. Um, we had rather few clients, but, um, they were rather big actually um like the we had also some project for example with h&m um okay. like it was uh, uh, some like yeah we because we had built quite good partnerships with other companies and via this way we could get in and so on um i i, I cannot tell you the total number of clients um some were smaller some were bigger um i can tell you we were uh 12 employees we had at the peak um, 12 team members. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so 12, 12, 12 employees at the peak and, you know, big clients such as H&M, so big retail stores. Um, yeah. And were you doing like cold outreach? So is it like your typical agency where, you know, you see people doing like cold emails and stuff like that to try and get more clients or, you know, were you just position, positioning yourself in a good way to be able to form partnerships with these businesses mm, yeah um partnerships was a big deal in this um in this space because enterprise clients are a pain in the ass i have to say like hindsight i, I would not do this anymore um the, the deal cycles are endless and, and like it's sometimes 12 months until someone signs right because okay so um but yeah a good way to get into it was actually partnerships with um companies that already had this company as a, as a client basically, and then could get easier in, um, cold outreach worked also quite well. Email, email outreach. Um, we had a very sophisticated, uh, email outreach sales funnel. Um, okay. that, that was good. Cold all didn't really work because there's too many, um, gatekeepers in a big company like this where you have to get through. Um, it uh, was, was not really scalable. Um, and LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn ads was, uh, as well, a good channel, I have to say for reaching e-commerce stores, decision makers. Um, the, the funnel there was that I, um, had some kind of ad, for example, like before and after ad, they worked really well, like okay. before you or service after a service and after then just a lead generation, um, form on LinkedIn because they're quite, um, inexpensive to get, to get the information. Then I would send over a loom video to uh to the to the prospect and the response rate response rate was always quite well to the loom video then of course you go then hop on a sales call discuss the project and so on yeah yeah so so it's actually very detailed um so so yeah so obviously like you've got a clear set that funnel there and you know exactly what's going to happen but you know when you're positioning yourself and you're sort of like pitching to a to a um potential client how were you able to make their heads turn and say, yes, I want to go with this agency and work with them? Because I'm sure they would have had, you know, a lot of other agencies reaching out to them or in their pipeline that they could potentially have used, but they went for you guys. So why did they go for you guys? Hmm. We had a very unique offer. This automation of the descriptions is not really uh, uh wasn't really comparable to other services because it was usually cheaper um, than copywriting agencies and usually even better quality. 
So it was once they got the gist of what we actually do, uh, um, it was kind of a no-brainer to work with this. Um, I have to say, like half of the team members of us were uh, software engineers, so we kind of we had like a, we built like an own software in the background that writes all that stuff. Um, so we didn't write that um, that that things on, but we, yeah, we were kind of like a like a software company, but that sold a a service, um, yeah. which, in hindsight, I would have done it differently. Um, I would have uh, used software that we anyways have make it self-service. Um, yes, you can charge probably less than if you do a project-based, but you get recurring revenue. With this project-based, it was usually like this, that they need maybe new product descriptions every one or two years. And then, yeah, you have a, you have a project and you get the money. You have to hire more people in order to get the project done. And yep. then the project is finished. Then you have these people and you don't know if you get a next project next next month. Um, horrible for planning cash flow, um, for example. Like if, if I did the agency again, I would do a, a productized service that you can charge recurring revenue for. And you have to pick the right market and the right client for that in order to, to uh, that it works. In our case, for the product descriptions, probably would have not worked because they, they frankly, they don't need every month new product descriptions. No store needs that. Um, yeah, or directly if you have the privilege, like we did, it, um, like having a software in house, just turning it into a SaaS, which is much more valuable. You can sell it. Um, the agency didn't really have, um, I would say, in like value. You cannot sell it really. Yeah. No, no, hundred percent. And you touched on productized service there. Like, if you so, if you were sort of like starting again in the service based line, would you start? You so you start a productized service. What what would you start it in potentially? And and also like, what is a productized service? Because it's becoming quite a hot topic at the moment. A lot of people are talking yeah. about it. It's almost like this alternative and the hybrid model between a SaaS and an agency. Um, so. Yeah, just talk to us a bit about, you know, productized service. And if you were going to start one, what would you start and why? Yeah. The productized service for me is a very, very specific client. Only one type of client. Yeah. One type of offer. The offer is also clearly available on like a landing page or something. It's not like hop on a call or whatever. Um, it's clearly available. The client knows exactly what they get and which time frame they get it. Yeah. And it is ideally monthly recurring let's say um as an example you run google ads for local businesses and they know exactly what they will get from you yeah they know exactly what it will cost per month and uh you know exactly who your target those new leads monthly and that is then like a productized service it's not like i build you a website once and then it it's finished it's project based um, for me, yeah, product testing is, is, um, it is very, very simple actually. And it, it, it frees you up from like every business gets from all kinds of direction. You get inquiries, right? And yeah. you then immediately can say yes or no to these inquiries. Like, do they fit my, my product, like my product test service or not? Um, because that is just so messy. Um, if you are like cash strapped, then you do all kinds of jobs like, SEO job or web website job and you run ads or whatever. No, you should just focus on one thing and also ideally one sales channel. Alex Samosi did a, 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 I think, uh, yeah, I think it was him, a good video about this, that you should choose like one avatar, uh, one product and one offer or something um, and, and go with this and, and you can you can scale this this pretty far. Um, yeah. What industry I would go, yeah. go in? I think local um, if I did start an agency, I would probably go and shoot um, Google local ads. Okay. Um, helping someone right now, like a friend of me um, who runs a, how is it called in English? A, a dating match. Dating like match. she matches, no, she matches people, you know, like as, as a service. Uh, like people who would, okay. <laughs> It's quite it's quite popular in Germany. Maybe Germans need that. 
um it's not a dating app but you pay the you paid her five grand seven grand ten grand in order to find the perfect yeah. partner you know like yeah. she goes there find uh f- finds finds the the partners for you and it's super valuable for like ceos or someone because they don't have time to swipe like all day long you know and then like i'll go on dates whatever no they want to yeah. find two three people that exactly fit their their matches um, and, and she can charge a lot for this. And this is, for example, uh, a good client that you could run uh, local Google ads for because um, it's super local. You will only, uh, like the, the client of her will only search, let's say in Berlin or in London or Munich or even in, in the local area of Berlin. Uh, you reach out to those businesses and and say, hey, um, your, uh, your competitor here is running Google ads. Um, why don't you do it yet? Uh-huh. Let me let me help you uh, for a month. Let's test it out. Um, l- let me generate you some leads. Maybe maybe optimize their data a bit. And and if if they are hooked, if you can generate them good leads, then yeah, you have a you have a good client. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So would you sort of like um, look to package that in a sort in a way that was, you know, because one thing that I sort of wrap, I get I get a productized service. I get you know why people are starting to do it you know mrr you're focusing on the monthly recurring like you're getting that um positive cash flow in um and you're creating you're creating it around one offer so you know a client only comes to you for one certain thing i, I understand that but like what are the pure benefits of like a productized service compared to an agency in a sense what, what the benefits are yeah yeah sort of like from from the client's perspective um so like why would they go to a a business for example that's you know one offer packaging it in one way without all the sort of um direct communication that you need and that you have with an agency why would they go to a company that's offering it in that way so product type service over the agency where you've got that direct communication and everything seems more structured in a way it's just you know, it's just a, it's just a question I would I would ask because I, I think productized service spaces is, is super interesting and I love I love mm. what people are doing with it. But I'm sort of trying to put my uh, clients used to yeah and, and, and sort of think mm. why as a client would I go for that over an agency? I guess transparency. Mm, okay, like when you when you just hop on a call with them and you have no idea like what will later be the price, what will be the outcome, you know. Um, you would like to start actually immediately to get new clients. And then you have the guy like, yeah, you have a guy that has everything transparent on his website. Hey, this is what you get, right? This is what you pay yeah, and yeah. sign up. It's my Stripe. We don't have to hop on a call. Here's my Stripe link. Um, you can pay me and and we're going to roll from tomorrow on. It's it, it's quite an easy choice it, it's super transparent you know i liked it like when i go to a website um I, i'm searching something i need a tool or whatever and then it says book a demo book a call we're gonna go get back to you in, in 72 yeah. i'm like i like i don't know like i want i want help right now um and i think that's beauty. um there's this guy on twitter it's called like brett from design joy i don't know if you know this guy uh i think he he drives this he he does this model like um like on hyper scale um i think he charges like six seven a month yeah. for design work or something um yeah. he does everything by himself which is a mental um and but yeah you go to his website you know exactly what you will get um you know exactly his like guarantee or his um yeah. you can pause or whatever and um it i, I like this transparency and i i think clients like that as well Definitely. yeah I, I can I can definitely see that and so sort of like instant instant input well sort of instant output when when you make that payment you know you're getting value straight away and there's a guy as well called um, Hunter Hammond so he he's basically got a company called Assembly which is a holding company for loads of different productized service based businesses and they're all creator led so what he does he'll partner with like a creator um so he's got one called Hey Friends which is basically like a a YouTube agency, but obviously a productized service um, business. And he partnered with uh, Ali Abdul. Um, so instantly he's got his like distribution. So it's almost like, you know, talking about your agency, you know, you came on with existing existing clients 
So the model's proven. So instead of him going out there and getting clients, he's partnered with a creator who's got a great distribution network in, in that space. So instantly they've got the target audience and then it flows from there. So yeah, he's probably someone to, to watch as well in this space. I think yeah, I've watched. I saw an interview with him as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant guy. Um, I think one thing he said he regrets not doing earlier is building his own personal brand because he has to not go out and find creators that have the credibility or be able to to sell for him. And I think that's what he's doing right now that he's going on on these podcasts and whatever to to, to build his own personal brand as well. It's like any powerful. Yeah. Yeah, which makes sense, I guess. And um, yeah, so I guess like, no, it's just a bit of an interesting tangent, to be honest. I just thought it was um, quite interesting route to go down, especially because it's incredibly hot at the moment. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of you know, once you've you know, once you close the agency, or once you left the agency, you know, what what was the game plan there? Were you sort of thinking about your next move? Did you have your next move in mind and know exactly what you were going to move into, or was it a bit more spontaneous in a sense? Mm. Was very lucky that uh, um, I left the business okay. and I think a week later ChatGPT launched the world was mm. going crazy and two months before I met a random dude in Vienna um, that I became friends with um, we met in the subway so yeah you can actually meet cool people in the subway um, and we were like co-working always uh, like he working on his business, I working on my business, and he's he's also a very technical uh, technical savvy guy. Uh, like I'm the I'm the marketing guy, and a day after ChatGPT launched, he came to me. Hey, I um I built this uh, this WhatsApp integration for for ChatGPT basically because he is originally he grew up in London, he's originally from uh, from from Africa, and he says WhatsApp is like the communication platform there, and not only there. As we found out, in a lot of other co- uh, countries, like like Saudi, for example, they they buy cars for, uh, on WhatsApp sometimes, or they buy insurance on WhatsApp. So he he built that. Um, it's a it's a quite simple like integration, like ChatGPT wrapper, how how people call it, right? It's a, it's an API that goes from OpenAI um, to the server and uh, on the on the backend, and it's connected to WhatsApp. You don't have to have any front end. And he built that and said, "Hey, check it out." And I was like, "This is this is pretty cool. Um, this is, I think, pretty useful. Um, let me let me go make some short form content for that because that is like the easiest way to validate an idea nowadays, I think." So I I was actually at the airport. I was at the airport, um, about to board a flight, and I'm like, "Okay, let me do a let me do a six second TikTok on this." Um, I I did that TikTok at the airport. I uploaded it before I boarded the flight, and two hours later, I, I arrived. And the TikTok already had five thousand views. On, on TikTok, I don't have a big audience, or forget. I just used it here and there. Um, but it doesn't matter at all on TikTok. You can get viral with zero followers, literally. Um, and it had and it had already five thousand views um, after this short amount of time. I was like, damn, that's cool. Um, and then it, it just keep, kept rolling. It was after a few days, was it hundred k views, two hundred k, three hundred k, five hundred k, got. Uh, up to 1.7 million views and got us huge amount of users for this for this product and like completely free basically right um it was uh, was amazing it was it was definitely possible because of the right timing because it was just this initial huge hype and ChatGPT was often down so people were like searching for uh, alternatives and we're like and we're up, we're on WhatsApp, like we, we have this API, you know, it's not down the API. Um, so yeah, a little bit, little bit of luck and a, um, good timing there. There was, there was definitely the, the, the keys to success there. And, uh, from there we grew it. Yeah. Um, from there, uh, we like, it's, it's a SaaS, right? So, uh, you, you go on WhatsApp, you, yeah. um, you, you can try it out. It's like ChatGPT on WhatsApp. Um, then after ten messages, you get a um, you get a paywall, um, and asking you to subscribe to the to the service if you want to uh, continue to use it. And a lot of people find it useful in, in uh, especially in developing countries that they subscribe monthly to it. 
and um, it's it's beautiful like it um, it scales um, with media and uh, and code basically like Naval says the the the, the best um, the best uh, the best way to scale is through media code or capital not through humans like I did in my previous business we only could scale by humans mostly and um, we always kept the team quite small we had some external developers here and there um, but. Uh, on the marketing side, uh, on the marketing side, it's like to do um, this, uh, marketing for a B two C SaaS, yeah. B two C AI SaaS. Pretty straightforward, in my in my um, in my opinion. You just create a bunch of short form content. Um, you put it out there for free. The algorithm tells you which one is good or which one is not good. Um, once you find a winner. You take it, you run Spark ads, for example, on it, or you put it on other platforms, you run ads on the content um, until it, uh, until the, the CTR goes down, and then you create new content and, and repeat the same over and over. Again, you do some some Google ads on it, and it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful business. Um, it has extremely high margins. Um, since half a year, we don't do really any, any development at all anymore. I just do some marketing here and there. Um, and... Now we actually, uh, yeah, got some some acquisition offers on the on the business, which I of course consider if it's the the right like um, multiple for for it. Yeah. So uh, that was a long monologue. Uh, I guess you have some more questions. Yeah, no, it's, it's just super interesting because, um, like, I guess first of all, what does uh, an API mean? Because like, I'm sure there's quite a few non-technical people out there who wouldn't understand. Ah that means and um i think just understanding how you can take you know a open ai you know open ai platform take that take their api and then integrate that into other uh sort of platforms and have a use case which then gives you a business i don't know it's super interesting could you sort of like break down the technical the, t the technical aspects of that overall um business yeah. in a sense so what exactly API stands for? I'm I don't know. I I am not the tech, but I know that uh, an API gives you access to another uh, company's data. For example, let's say Instagram has an API. Right? If you get access, you can uh, scrape some some kind of data from Instagram um, from the profiles, for example, and then you can use the data, modify it, sell yeah. it, uh, monetize it, for example, right? And uh, the the OpenAI API allows you um, access to their models like uh, GPT three, GPT four, um, Vision, Vision GPT. Now you can send pictures um, uh, to to the API endpoint. Yeah, and uh, you get back information. Um, an API, in its sense, it's just it's just a, a string of numbers and 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 like uh, uh, yeah, like it's just in the code um, and an endpoint. And it's not hard to integrate at all. Um, if you have no coding experience at all, um, yeah. there's there's tools like Bubble or Zapier that will help help you integrate and even connect to the OpenAI API without you knowing anything. Like just drag and drop. Yeah. Um, of course, if you want to then uh, if you want to validate an idea um, that you have in AI, that is good to use, to use their tools. You can build it very quickly. If you want to scale it later, it's better to build it um, uh, on a custom code basis, basically because it's much cheaper if, if you if you scale. Um, and yeah, OpenAI or like GPT wrappers are an insanely easy business model because the what what OpenAI have built is is like a new. It's like a new app store, basically. It's like a blue ocean. Like, yeah. so many. How how would I say? You, GPT four can basically answer you everything. Can calculate you everything. Um, it can now take any picture and tell you what is in the picture. Um, it can generate your pictures. It can generate voice. Um, it will probably soon be able to do phone calls. Something I'm very hyped about, by the way, of course. Um, and the the use cases are literally endless, um, especially also in like boomer industries. Let's say, let's say we go 
like construction, right? Um, there, a friend, a friend just yesterday told me he's gonna uh, build a simple tool that takes uh, every few seconds a picture on the construction site, sends it to the API, and yeah. it then gets back. Because apparently, um, in construction, it's a big thing that the the people do some uh, mistakes or they do things that are not uh, in order with the like how they should do it, and they like it's almost like a surveillance <laughs> what yeah. what is trying to build, but. Um, they, the, the GPT will, will analyze the picture and say, okay, this is, this is going right. This is going wrong. So this is just, just one use case that is possible to do with this. And even I, as a, as a non-technical could build that very, very quickly. And you have a business that runs, um, like that provides huge amounts of value and the, uh, the costs for it are like minimal. Um, what we pay monthly for open AI is just. Like it's it's super super cheap um, for for this amount of value and computing power you get from um, from the API. Yeah, yeah. So like, so do you would you have to use a a platform like Bubble? And then because I, I don't understand that, how did you go from um, getting? I mean, it might just be. It, it's just quite like difficult to wrap my head around. Um, how did you go from getting the open source code from OpenAI to then sort of like integrating that into WhatsApp? Like, how does that work? Oh, like, okay, yeah. now it. Um, so there's two there's two different parts in in, in OpenAI. So you see the uh, the ChatGPT window, right? Um, yeah, um, yeah, like get answers up that is um that is the one part that is like the for the end user um to use and you pay like your 20 dollars a month for this right um and then on uh, on the other side in the in the in the back end there is a whole you can just google the api you go in there you create an account um and i think they even give you free credits uh, you click on create an api key and then you have an api key Give you full access to everything that OpenAI um, has built, basically, and you can use that key. And for example, if you just want to test out how this works a little bit, you go to Zapier, for example, and you say um, uh, you, you you create a, a flow. For example, if this happens in the Google Doc, send this to OpenAI. Give me an answer based on this prompt and send it back. Um, you don't pay then per month, like twenty dollars or so. You pay then per um, per prompt, basically per like how long's the prompt and so on um, to OpenAI. So this is just um, yeah. It's in the beginning. I also was like a little bit like how how does it work? Um, because I was non technical. Now it's 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 pretty um, pretty simple to, uh, to 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 say like um, I mean I, I I could I could show you like the code or something. Um, but it's, it's, it's in, in the code, it's the code basically combines, um, like so let's say here's open AI, here's yeah. WhatsApp. Um, yeah. someone, someone joins the WhatsApp chat. Yeah. Just say hi, goes to you through. Um, it, it says, I received the message. The message is being sent to AI and say, please generate an answer, um, to this message. Then the, mm -hmm. the API sends it back to the, to the server. The server sends it back to WhatsApp. And gives the answer basically on this. Right, um, right. So, so it's almost like one big feedback loop, isn't it? In, in a sense. Yeah, if if you say so, I I guess yeah. It's it it's like a it's like a chat. Um, you could also say OpenAI is just a um, is your friend replying in in real time all the time, right. basically. Um, yeah. This is how you. It's just it's just automated. Like it's, yeah, it's it's the API is. Uh, is doing all the other work, and 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 yeah. how do you tailor it for a specific use case? Like obviously, you spotted the, um, you guys spotted, you know, the market for using it, um, in a communication platform like WhatsApp. So how how do you tailor once once you say right, okay, I know there's a particular use case where something like, um. Something like ChatGPT or whatever it is um, built on these open source APIs would really 
really transform this industry? How do you then tailor it for that? Mm. The tailoring or the training, as people call it, yeah, basically mostly all happens in the prompt. So you can input a, a, a huge, huge, huge prompt to every message that is being sent. You you could do that. Uh, let's say, um, uh, let's say you build a. Um, what did I lastly uh, talk about with this guy? Um, an an app that helps you uh, find out what uh, illness your plant has. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on WhatsApp, let's say on WhatsApp. So you take it. You uh, you are able to to take a picture of your plant. Yeah. And um, you 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 take the picture and you you also you say uh, uh, you you can just send it to you can just send it to the WhatsApp. Um, okay. Yeah. The the WhatsApp sends it into the server. In the server um, or in the code, you have a specific prompt that tells you this. This picture that now comes in um, will be a plant, and your job is to find out what is wrong with this plant, or is there anything wrong with this plant, so that um, OpenAI knows what to do, like what what should I do with this feature. Um, then it sends it over the prompt plus the picture, sends it over to OpenAI, and uh, you will get a response. The response comes back via text, for example, um, or via audio message, um, whatever, and then you get it back, and like this, you basically trained a bot for your own use case. So it's it's basically, yeah, any type of use case is imaginable by just doing the prompts. There is, um, yeah, this is, this is the one thing. I would say 90% of apps or use cases can be built like this um, by just doing the right uh, pre-prompting in, in the server. Um, because the, the the AI model are already that advanced that they can really um, then figure out the answer from from just a simple add-on to the prompt. Um, there is then more to this. You can build a, a a knowledge base, for example. For example, if you wanted to, let's say you build Andrew Huberman bot. Okay, you want to put all of Andrew Huberman's podcasts into a knowledge base and be able to ask anything about Andrew Huberman. Okay. He has, I don't know how many podcasts he has, probably a thousand or something. That would not fit in this in this prompt. Then OpenAI would say, this is too long. Um, then you have to do a little bit more um, advanced structures. Uh, you build an, a, knowledge, a knowledge base um, that's, yeah, it's it's also a little bit technical. And then um, it's an extra strap, a step that will find it in, in the knowledge base, the right pieces. will take the pieces, send these to OpenAI, send it back and so on. But you can, you can also do that. I, I built that once for like a little, those ones like a like a Mr. Beast bot um, that helps people like grow YouTube. I, I just uh, uh, took all of his podcasts that he was was in um, yeah. and talked about YouTube how to. I just uh, I took all this trans, trans, uh, transcripts and uh, put it in a, in the chat bot, and now you could chat basically with Mr. Beast. So um, yeah, both of these methods are, are possible. <laughs> That's it's insane and like. I guess how did you how do you find like a, a great great use case in this in this scenario? Because I can imagine like you could build a you know a bot or whatever it is, and you're, and you're training these um, training these models, and then you know if you don't have the right use case and you don't have a business, people obviously aren't going to pay the um, subscription. So how did you find like that use case, and like how would you? Um, what would you tell to like other people building these applications to um, identify a right industry or right use case to go after to make some good money from it? I mean, I would first look a bit at your own problems. If you work in a company, for example, you will you will spot some efficiencies uh, where you can um, where you can find something. And uh, man, I have like I probably have like twenty. 30 ideas uh, for, for these bots already. Um, what we're actually thinking of um, building is something where, where people that are not good in, in coding that are no coders can easily te- like build a bot like this, like we have, um, yeah. receive payments for it. Um, like, like we build a platform that, that easily connects OpenAI and WhatsApp and you just have to, to change the prompt and you have an old bot, for example. 
so that people can test out their ideas quickly. And I think it's it's really about, yeah, um, maybe you have five ideas. Um, you can validate them very easily with, with, with TikToks. You, 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 you create five TikToks accounts. Uh, you, you, you make a few videos about what your idea is and whichever gets the most traction, you just, you just follow. Um, and idea generation can also, of course, be done, um, hand in hand with, with GPT. Yeah. Um, that, um, yeah, that is also possible. Uh, what I'm, what I'm quite excited about is, um, like lead generation bots as well. Like, um, mm. let's say from an Facebook ad for, for an agency, for example, right? Like from a Facebook ad, you, uh, when you fill out a lead gen, um, form, you immediately get sent to a messenger where an AI will be able to set an appointment with you. Um, instead of having to wait, like instead, instead of having the form being sent to some person and then maybe 12 hours later or so they get a call, right? They probably already forgot that you yeah. sent the form, like with this short attention span nowadays, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I think that is quite valuable, um, to, to build for agencies, for example. Yeah, super valuable, super valuable. And what makes these businesses acquirable? Why would someone want to buy a business like this? Recurring revenue. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. probably good integratable in, in, into other areas. Um, you mean like, for example, appointment set about? Well, uh, no, I mean like, um, obviously you've got some acquisition offers on the table, ah. um, which is, com which is completely confidential. Um, but like what makes a business like this, ah. like a good acquisition target for, for either ah. another business or someone. Yeah. Recurring revenue, um, and data, I have to say as well. And so yeah. if AI companies, um, want to use all the, the data that we have from, from all these millions, tens of millions of, of, of messages, um, that could also be quite valuable. So I would say okay. revenue data. Um, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And, uh, what's next on the horizon for Tima and then what's, what are you building next then? Yeah. Um, as you see, I have always a lot of things going on in my head. Um, I'm even like AI spaces because it's such a rapidly growing market. There is so much potential. Um, on the other side, like it's something completely different, um, but that I've been focusing on for the last year as well, because I had an accident is, is, um, is health and productivity optimizing like for myself. Um, it's now five, 6 PM. I have, I haven't eaten yet. Um, for example, but My uh, I feel no, 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 no. I feel absolutely, I feel absolutely great. I feel absolutely amazing. Um, Good. I have never had such a high focus in my life before because I, uh, I looked at how my day is like, okay, I, I woke up and sometimes I ate like immediately like uh, carbs in the morning or something. I, I, I crashed immediately afterwards, needed coffee to get, get back up and so on. Like all my, my school time was like this and. I managed now to basically uh, completely eliminate brain fog out of my life. Um, like I, I, do, I don't get this like afternoon crash anymore or something, you know, and especially as an entrepreneur, when you run like when you run a company, you want to have as much as possible um, hours where you are hyper-focused. Like, I, I don't know about you, but for example, when I have four to five hours where I'm like hyper-focused, I don't even... I don't even want to touch my phone or anything. These hours are often more or like always more productive and valuable than like 20 hours of shallow work, right? Where you do a little bit like Gmail, uh, you, you do some research or whatever. No, like you want to get these hours in where you do this, the shit that you actually need to do. And for this, you have to have this super clear mind, hyper-focused. And uh, there's a few things to it, like, like sleep, um, uh, uh, working out, uh, when to take caffeine and uh, when to eat and um yeah it's uh, I, I now have like a pretty i would say like perfect routine i, I love watching these guys like uh brian johnson um andrew huberman and I, I take notes from all of them and it kind of built my own 
perfect system for um for like an entrepreneur that uh, that can basically structure their day as they want. Um, also, like when I, when I have meetings and so on, I don't have meetings in the mornings ever, for example. And that's just yeah, the, yeah. No, but that, 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 yeah, no, that's amazing. So like you, like obviously, you know, low carbs, um, ultra focus. So you, you're saying like chicken and eggs and uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, just talk us through like your daily diet. In a sense, oh, daily diet. Yeah, it's. So I do intermittent fasting. Um, it's like sixteen to eighteen hours every day since uh, since years already. Um, I only drink. Uh, I only started drinking coffee recently, um, like a year ago. And now I'm. I need coffee every day, but it's also amazing. Um, especially like I only drink cold brew coffee anymore, no milk, and uh, yeah, like ninety minutes after waking up, you have to delay it a little bit according to Andrew Schieberman because otherwise you get an afternoon crash. Um, because of yeah some some reasons that I don't want to be too detailed, of you um and uh, yeah you do delay it by ninety minutes you get the cold brew and then you have a focus until like twelve p.m. at around that time I go then to the gym, um yeah. I'm still not hungry then because of the coffee, and uh, after the gym I'm I'm then quite hungry usually I'm like at at two two p.m. um mm-hmm. I will have my meal, um that's usually uh, protein and and vegetables together so no carb basically at all and um, then there's another work session in the afternoon uh, Mm. and i will have my latest caffeine around like two also after that meal maybe like a matcha not not coffee not too much caffeine so you can sleep that also in the evening if you have your last coffee at like 6 p.m or so it's for me it's very hard to sleep yeah you screwed at that Uh, point but yeah yeah, and sorry sorry go on team oh yeah and, and so you you get uh, very good afternoon as well like I mean if you imagine your your hours is worth like whatever two thousand dollars or and you get um more productive really productive hours in the day um it's it's so worth it to to think about the routine and not just eat whatever and and let yourself like go from the muffins in the or the donuts that someone to the office like no like never um uh, that that would never happen. And yeah, after you get then all the all your shit done basically um in the day, then it's like carbs is always like a I mean carbs are amazing, right? To eat. But for me they are like um uh what do you say? Uh, a reward. Like a a reward in the evening, exactly. Yeah. They're like yeah. um so yeah, no. in the evening yeah, something with rice usually and as well proteins. Amazing, amazing. And um, what about like waters? Because I know, like, um, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know who said this. So, like, uh, I think it's Luke Belmar, who I've watched quite a few of his videos, and he talks about, um, you know, like tap water versus pure, pure mm-hmm. mineral water. I don't know. Do you follow that same, same, same trend in a sense? Because I can sort of get it. You know, the water in London, for example, is absolutely disgusting. Like, that thing will turn yellow within a week. Like, it's so weird. Um, and so I can sort of like see the benefits now, like you're putting, given that your body is composed of X percentage of water, which is obviously quite high, you know, you want to be putting yeah. the right shit in there, to be honest, don't you? So yeah, like what's, what's your crack yeah. on that? Like, do, do you stick to a certain water type? In Austria, Austria has, in Switzerland, they have some of the best tap water in, in the world. Um, it comes like directly from a source in in the mountain, and and yeah, it still goes through a pipe. That's that's the issue. It does goes through a pipe for a little bit in the city, but um, I use a I use a purifier at home, and then this water is is really good. I also did some water tests actually, um, and it's it's very 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 good water. You cannot compare it to, I mean, in the US, I was uh, I was it's like it's absolutely shit the water, for example. Um, so I get why Luke says that all the time in, in like this Alpine mountain areas, you can, you can drink tap water in my opinion. And yeah. I also drink water there and here in Bali, of course not. Like you would get sick. You would get Bali Bali. <laughs> you drink the water here you don't immediately. No, I don't even brush my teeth with the water here. Uh, here I buy usually a glass, glass bottle water from, from the supermarket. Uh, um, yeah, that's. 
that's the only solution. Otherwise, you buy plastic bottles again. Um, and, and the glass bottle water is, I think, from some from mountain here, so it should be fine. Yeah, should be should be okay. Well, no, amazing. Like that tangent was sort of is good to understand. Like your routine, and you obviously, you know, incredibly disciplined, um, which is hard to come across nowadays. Um, I overall think you know it's a, a good place to round off the podcast, Timo. Um, but before I do that, I always ask you know one question, and that is looking at looking at how far you've come from where you started to where you're at now. If you had one bit of advice you'd give to someone out there who is 18 years old and you can put yourself in their shoes, what would that piece of advice be? I would say learn how to sell and learn how to build. If you can do both, then you are unstoppable. Yeah. And is that in anything Like you can do anything with that? Say so if you can build like in code and you can sell, for example, you can sell through through marketing short form content, you have a, a huge skill set or you can do high ticket high ticket sales. Um that's an, another very demanding skill set. You you're good for life. You you don't need to study at eighteen. Um like yeah. That's yeah. that was <laughs> That's nice. what I would have done. If I studied, I would have done CS for sure, because that's that's yeah. a real um or or just don't study at all and just YouTube university basically. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Um yeah, great bit of advice there. And um yeah, thank you so much, Timo, for hopping on the podcast. Really appreciate it. You know, an amazing episode. Learned so much about you and um, you know, people can learn more about you on your YouTube channel, um, which is obviously your name. And um, yeah, you've got got a decent amount of subscribers on there and you produce some amazing content. So if you want to get a bit more of an insight to Timo's life, then please check that out, see what it's like, see the amazing content he's been producing. Any last words for the viewers, Timo? Anything you'd like to say to round it off? Mm, yeah, thanks a lot. If you um, are also into this like health journey, also feel free to to check me out on Instagram at uh, timo.nikolai. Feel free to DM if you if you want to optimize your your health and productivity in a day. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, yeah, have a have a great rest of your Sunday. Amazing. Thank you very much, Timo, and uh, for the viewers out there, please stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you very much. Thank you.